you watch the, the Sofia Coppola trailer? Oh, uh, Sofia Coppola trailer? Yeah, something like On the Rocks or something is what it's called. What? I don't know. I, I, didn't I don't know. My, I didn't I don't... watch myself. <laughs> I was just curious I... if you did. I have been so out of the loop when it comes to films. Uh, Me too. Uh, really, anything could be coming out this year. Oh, no, On the Rocks, yeah. Upcoming comedy drama film written directed by Sofia Coppola. Rashida Jones, Marlon Wayans. Bill Murray. It looks like a fake movie. It does, doesn't it? The poster looks like it, like a like a real. This isn't real. Like this is. Uh, but I'm interested yeah. if it's anything like our last couple. We're probably pretty good. Yeah, well, I gotta tell you, we have never switched positions like this. I just realized it's now my turn to be in the hot seat because it's really the whole the whole hinge of this podcast hinges on whether you liked these movies or not. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like I'm Bill O'Reilly in the show Crossfire. Ooh, oh, oh no. I'm, except I'm not like racist and you know all those things. Sex pest. Allegedly. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly is the sex pest coming this fall. <laughs> rated PG-13. He like turns in his chair and crosses his arms. I like the idea that we just recreate the poster for the pest, but put the word sex on it. <laughs> Have you seen the, the like poster for, oh god, it's an 80s movie. It's probably the worst concept for a movie I think I've ever heard. Where a guy is trying to get into <coughs> horror and and he hears that like Harvard has to uh, enroll a certain number amount of African American people, and so he does blackface the whole movie. Hold on, I'm gonna type in just '80s. Hey, '80s Harvard blackface. Blackface movie. Soul Man. Oh, with C. Thomas Howell <laughs> yeah. from The Hitcher. I have heard of this movie. I've never seen it. Yeah, neither have I. I've just heard of it because I'm just like, because everybody I've ever heard talk about it is like, so why would you make this movie? I mean, C. Thomas Howell had a career up until then. Like, he was I, doing he well. had a career afterwards because from the look of it, that movie was uh, made on a $4.5 million budget and made th- $35 million. It made $35 million. It made its money back and then some. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, first of all, this. You want to hear something more disturbing than that? I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about the movie 40-Year-Old Virgin. And they were talking about it, and they got to talking about other stuff, and I learned an interesting fact about a movie we just talked about. Yeah? Which movie? Did you know that there was an action figure for Al Pacino's character in Cruising? <laughs> no, but I want it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what could it possibly be? I just assume him in the leather out or him in the leather jacket. It's just a tired man with like the leather patty cap and like the jacket. <laughs> See, I would I would buy a Paul Sorvino action figure from Cruising. Cause then I would just always have like I could always like if I never could find a detective bullock from like Batman the animated series, I'd always have Paul Sorvino there. Ugh, it reminds me of the Saturday Night Live joke where it's like Philadelphia, the the kid, like the kid's playset for the movie Philadelphia. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like a courtroom. Oh, God. <laughs> that is horrifying. When the final reel is spun And the credits have been run 
you can count on the wisdom of these two white guys talking film. Just two white guys talking film. Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from the House of Lords to a little bedroom where there's a girl who's just in trouble and need some help. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. Well, movies Tyler might like. Might like. You have no idea the the, the sniper's target that was taken off of you at one point. <laughs> oh, dear God. Oh, you have no idea. But before we can get to if Tyler liked these movies or not, we have to take him to the most captivating thing. Take him to the captivating. Yeah, it's our captivating section. It's always changing. Always changing. Never the same. I watched Psycho. The original? There's there's an original? Oh, you don't a bit. Come on. Don't. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. You watched, you watched Gus Van Sant's Psycho? Yeah, I watched Gus Van Sant's Psycho. I was hoping this would go over, like, you would be like, oh, yeah, like, Janet Lee's in it, you know, like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched it. Vigo Mortensen in it. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, that's right. Uh, there was a I, time I thought Vigo Mortensen was going to be like a breakout horror guy, like the way Patrick Wilson's kind of done it. But I think he was like he had to crawl so Patrick Wilson could run. I mean, he gets there with Easter promises. That's not really a horror performance, but uh, oh, that no, that's a that's a stone that's a stone cold like that's a stone cold antihero who should have gotten like a Sicario 2 spinoff where it's just about him. I think Viggo Mortensen has a real, like, elevated Leif Schreiber effect to him. Like, he just, yeah, like, got this, like, quiet the... menace yeah. to him. Yeah, if you want to talk about in the pantheon of guys who are like him, he's one above Lee Schreiber, at least. Yeah. I like I like Leif Schreiber, but... Eh. I like yeah. Viggo Mortensen more. But you're just like, yeah, it's, it's fine. It's I fine. will say Leif Schreiber was really good in Spotlight. Anyway, I watched Psycho. Uh, it's got Viggo Mortensen, uh, Viggo Mortensen, it's got Anne Heche is in it it's a fucking insane movie idea like just totally just like i don't even understand why someone would give him money to do this like it doesn't make sense to me and then i realized what year it came out 1998 and this is this is gus van cashing in his fucking chips from uh, goodwill hunting which makes the movie even more insane why do you think he did this i as someone who kind of enjoyed watching it i was like oh this is weird it's you know it's kind of nuts to make a pretty much a shot for shot remake of psycho (laughs) but with like modern actors and like in a more modern setting like vaughn's like the worst choice right i kind of disagree i think he's i don't think he's trying to do baits the same way that perkins does baits so you think he's doing like a modern interpretation of it so I think what Perkins is doing is kind of this like naive young man and he's like kind of like obsessed with his mother and is like trying to like look presentable for society. I think Vaughn's take is much more of a psychopath trying to fit into the shoes of a normal person, like trying to play hmm. straight. Like, more of, like, a straight arrow. And I think that's what makes Vaughn's performance so good, is he's trying to, like, fit into the proper role whenever anyone talks to him, but can't because he's Vince Vaughn and is inherently weird and off-putting. 
He's a little too tall, isn't he? He's a little too tall. I don't think it's like a great. Like if he's if he's three inches taller, he's doing professional wrestling. He is, yeah. Much like the movie from last year, uh, where he was he played the former professional wrestler who didn't make it. Yeah. You know who's a good actress? Anne Heche. And she's in Psycho. And she's in Psycho. (laughs) She's really good in it. I think people hating the movie, which is like understandable. It's it's a movie that is essentially a fucking shot for shot remake of psycho that's essentially just like a video essay but for like an hour and a half about why psycho is good <laughs> i guess <laughs> but, like, but it's in color it's so weird it's it's it is it's weird and also like i think what's interesting about it is that the movie is so heavily and like not i'm not gonna say inspired it is the same movie for most for the majority of it but there are moments when like it deviates and it deviates for like I think interesting reasons either they like they like couldn't recreate the shot entirely or like certain aspects and I think when it does that like it kind of pulls me in I'm like oh that's we okay you're doing something slightly different for this I do think it is kind of fun in a weird way to see like William H Macy play like a character he never would get to play nowadays or seeing like Vigo Mortensen play like not the tough guy but, like, the put-upon love interest of Anne Heche, I think Psycho is super interesting. I'm not going to stand by it being, like, a masterpiece or anything like that, but I think it's kind of fun for what it is. I don't know. I liked it. I was expecting to hate it, and I liked it, so. Why did you decide to watch this is my last question. I had heard a podcast that I watch, uh, or watch uh, that I listen to called Blank Check, they were talking about it, and they talked about how, like, yeah, it's essentially, like, a video essay. <laughs> but, like, if a video essay was, you know, a movie. And they were talking about, like, all the stuff that I was talking about. That it's kind of, like, it's it's weird that this director would be like, yes, I'm going to make a shot-for-shot remake of Psycho. And that Gus Van Zandt has never really given the same answer as to, like, why. Because people have been like, why the fuck did you make this? He's always been like, you know, because, like, just not anyone from ever making psycho like a psycho or he was like you know i wanted to like experiment with the form experiment with like a story that everyone knows and then like he's given like 20 different answers some of them more knowing some of them kind of being like oh i know it's bad winky winky nudge nudge i do think he was motivated and passionate and it does in a weird way feel like a passion project like something he had wanted to do for a long time and that said, I like I said, I don't think it is entirely successful. There are definitely aspects I think are not perfect. Uh, Julianne Moore's character, her performance is, by Julianne Moore standards, pretty bad. Um, Vaughn, not going to be everyone's cup of tea. There are definitely aspects that, like, I understand why people are like, oh, it's so stupid. But, like, I don't know. I think I kind of liked it. I think it kind of, it it seems in a weird way, like, I know, like, I don't know. I think Hitchcock, there are movies in his filmography that I don't think, I that I understand, like, whoa, we can't touch, like, North by Northwest. But I do think, like, Psycho and other movies, like, yeah, I don't think those are classics. I don't think those are impeachable. I think you could do them better. Why not, like, try that with our modern technology? Like, why not remake Sabotage? Because, like, 
No one cares about sabotage. I but... care about sabotage. Sabotage? You've seen sabotage? You've seen the that Alfred B-side? Hitchcock movie? Yeah, that seaside. That's the sabotage? one where it's on the Statue of Liberty or whatever. No. What is sabotage? That, wait, I'm not thinking of sabotage. Am I thinking of? I think you're. No, thinking I thought of sabotage. sabotage was the one where it's like like a railway gets bombed and like a theater. No, oh, I don't know this one. Fucking maybe. boring as shit. Is that sabotage? Sab. I don't know how to spell sabotage. All of a sudden, that's the 1936 film Sabotage. That's the okay. one where it's it's good. It's fine. It's whatever. But it's basically like people are blowing up. It's essentially him using it as a metaphor for, like, the Germans during the blackouts. Someone blows up, like, an underground railway. And then there's therapists from an unnamed European country, Germany, who are doing, like, a series of attacks in London. And the best scene is they give a boy, like, a film print to run to the theater. But what he doesn't know is that there's a bomb in it. No, that's uh, what the movie's about? That sounds it's dope, not, actually. like, the whole movie's about this, but this is just, like, the best scene in the movie. And it's nitrate film, which is, like, super flammable, yeah. which would cause yeah, yeah. the bomb to, like, go even higher up. And they give it to the boy, and essentially, like, you know that, like, the boy has to, like, give it, set it, because it's, like, at 1.45, it's going to explode. And he's on the bus taking it to the other theater, and, like, he gets caught in traffic. Like, the bus gets caught in traffic, and it just fucking explodes his bus. And you're just like, oh, shit, they just killed that kid. And it's great. <laughs> that scene's really good. The rest of the movie, yeah, it's kind of forgettable. So you just want them to remake Sabotage? Is that what you're saying? You're saying, you get, you're saying double down on Gus Van Sant and give him another shot at, a, at an Alfred Hitchcock movie? Yeah, you can make a... There's a bunch of Alfred Hitchcock movies you can remake. Oh, dude, I, always, I feel like people I wouldn't care about it to see as much as Psycho. do Rear Window. People have done Rear Window. Uh, I know, but like, I mean, like, I mean, like a shot for shot remake of Rear Window, like, like not shot for shot, but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. shoot it the same way, like shoot it. If how he's looking out has to be the way James Stewart is looking out. At the end of the day, I think Psycho, the remake is I understand why people hated it at the time. I still kind of understand why people hate it, but I don't know. I think it's kind of good. <laughs> That's so. <laughs> That's my weak sauce defensive psycho. Well, what did I watch? Oh, you know what I watched? I watched Spy Game. You watched Spy Game? Have you ever seen Spy Game? Spy Game. Yeah. Brad Pitt is literally pulling the life essence out of Robert Redford. Huh? It's a, it's a Tony Scott movie. Oh. starring Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. It's like Robert Redford is shoving the torch into Brad Pitt's hand and saying, like, like you're going to be the new me now. Like, that's what this feels like. But it's an amazing, like, action thriller. Hmm. What, what's, what's the name of this again? Spy Game. Spy Game. The Tony Scott movie. I should know it. It yeah. sounds familiar, like I've read it. about it. You're going to have to watch it. Oh, 2001. Yeah. Oh, he's wearing a San Diego cap in it? Yeah, no, I got to oh. watch this. Oh, dude, dude. Hard number two. Like number two with a bullet. All like, right. All yeah. Right. Like there's one movie Tony Scott has that's like better than this, but this is like, I was like, oh damn, this is like well made. Can I guess which movie you like better than that? Sure, we're going to blame uh, it though. Uh, is it Top Gun? No. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. my next one's going to be Man on Fire. <laughs> I haven't seen Man on Fire. I watched Man on Fire a little while after it came out when I was like 2004, so I was like 12. 
The only the only thing I know of that movie, it's something I remember from the trailer, is Walken just going, he's completing his masterpiece. Like, and like, I just remember you see Denzel coming in, like firing guns. I was like, I need to see this movie. And then like, I just never saw it. Like, that's, I think a lot of people had that reaction, but there's definitely one scene I think you're gonna, you're gonna, it's gonna be, it's either gonna be your least favorite scene of all time or your most favorite scene of all time. Okay. And you're gonna know. You're gonna know. All right. Yeah, Spy Game. It's worth watching. All right, Spy Game. Yeah. We've really, I think this is a really pro Tony Scott podcast. I feel like we're cultivating a very friendly Tony Scott. (laughs) Yeah, I I think, well, yeah, I think we have. What I'm getting at is this Spy Game. It's a good (laughs) movie. We got to get on to it. Movies we think Tyler's going to like. This is a very rare section. It's actually empty all the time unless someone thinks they know what they're talking about. Then they put a thing in there. And if Tyler likes it, he takes it back to the Tyler cave. And if not, he swipes it away. It's kind of a real King Kong situation, <laughs> but with movies. The movies are the girls, so you need to get them a blonde. So uh, One guy put in Babel and we just kicked him out of the store. <laughs> Tyler cut up his membership, got him another membership and cut that up. Tyler paid for the membership too and cut it up. Well, that takes us to our first movie we hope he's going to like. And this movie concerns the 13th Earl of Gurney dying. And now his son must take up the duties of the family. The only issue is he believes he's Jesus Christ reborn. An all-time insane performance by Peter O'Toole is one of the many bright spots in this stellar black comedy. This is, of course, the 1962 film starring Peter O'Toole, The Ruling Class. I always get first-night nerves. Well, any good performer does. You have to be keyed up to give a good show. I've done it all, from Stanislavski to strip. Greasy makeup towels, cracked mirrors, rhinestones and beads. What a world. I sang this can't be love, funny. Did the same act later at the Pigalle for twice the money without removing a stitch. Of course, some women can strip without taking their clothes off. Nobody could call me undersexed, but I could never get worked up watching some man strip down to suspenders and jockstraps. But where's the fun? I suppose some people just prefer the smell of a steak better to the steak itself. Oh, if my mother could see me now. It's what she always wanted for me. The big time. Well, she found it hard to settle down to civilian life after being in the touring company of Chu Chin Chow. Nobody need worry about me fitting in. All I have to do is play cool. I can cock my little finger with the best. Darling. Darling, I'm waiting. What? Oh, 
ridiculous. It's not dignified. Dignity has nothing to do with divinity. Oh, look, I'm not here. Not now. A bike? You're mad. Don't be frightened. I'm not frightened. I just didn't expect to see my husband riding a three-wheeled bike on his wedding night. It's the only way to travel. Remember, God loves you. God wants you. God needs you. You got to admit, Peter O'Toole's really fucking good at this movie. Oh, no, no. Peter O'Toole's great. And I think everyone who has, like, maybe one or two scenes with Peter O'Toole is, like, straight heat because they realize, like, this is their chance. They've got, like, one or two scenes with Peter O'Toole. So they're going fucking hog wild. Because they, they know. They know. They're just like, okay, yeah. I, I This is my chance with Peter O'Toole, one of the greatest English actors uh, currently and maybe of all time. Um, this is my chance to just go fucking ham. Oh, he's he's out of his mind in this movie. And subsequently, everybody else is out of their mind. And it makes this movie perfect. I, I don't even know how to talk about it, because it's just so good. So you and, like... Yeah, no, I like this. I'll just say... One down! One to yeah. go! I think that it's kind of sad that this movie's pretty neglected. It's just, like, up on YouTube. Like, it's it's it has, like, a pretty solid yeah, HD stream. collection edition. It does. Yeah, click on Which, click on the YouTube. It's it's like it says Criterion Collection. That's so funny because it's on the Criterion channel, which is where I watched it. Isn't it? It's fucking really good. Um, it's a really solid. Do you notice uh, that they still don't have all of like like the stuff fixed in it? Yeah, no. There's like sprocket holes, uh, not sprocket oh. holes. There's like dust and cigarette like you can burns. see the the cigarette burns where the. It's not a Blu-ray edition. It's not like a full restoration. Yeah. It's just like a earlier cleaned up dvd version yeah exactly and so i just kind of hope someone puts out a blu-ray <laughs> i mean it's like really good right like doesn't like, do blu-rays they do this is from like wait this is from this is like spine like 130 something so this is like before blu-rays and also before janice was like in the restoration business it was just like in the cleanup put on dvd make it a high quality file business huh. So they didn't restore it, and I don't even think Janice owns it. I think some. I think it's like they they lent it. So yeah. So that's why it looks pretty beat up in comparison to some of the other releases. <laughs> it's real good. It's real real good. You say black comedy. It's it's it is a comedy. I'll I'll, I'll give you that. But it's also a drama and a horror. It's everything in some ways. It's it's real. It's real hitting all of the tones. So let's go through it. The thirteenth Earl of Gurney has died. <laughs> he killed himself on accident, right? It's on accident. Was it sexual? I think so. It's like an autoerotic asphyxiation type deal. It's so weird. It is. It's so they don't explain it, and you're just like, okay, you're okay, like, I guess, I'm, yeah, all right. Um, it's so funny when they bring it in because the person with him, who is, I would say, the second most important character in it. The butler, who's almost kind of our narrator now that I think about it. He, I think, is the conscience of the piece. Yeah. And is like, he is a communist, but in many ways you kind of sympathize with his frustrations of like the inane ruling class more than you do like even Peter O'Toole and like the people around him. 
I just think it's so funny, his stuff, because it's just like, clearly he is like, he hates everyone around him. He is pretty out and out a communist. I think he starts singing about the red flag, the like Soviet Union theme. And he's just so angry. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I just think he he is maybe my favorite character. Oh, the the butler. The butler, because like He's when great. after the uh, Earl dies, they do the 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 will. Yeah, and the whole family's like concerned about like, oh, where's all the money going? Well, to? Like, where's the and that's, land and that's going the, to? And that's the thing. That's what we find out. Like, is kind of the premise of this movie. There is a family behind this rich old fucker, and in a classic like way the rich old family kind of has to deal with the fact that they don't want to get cut off because they all have things. You have the, you have the half brother Mm -hmm. who uh, has a son who has a wife and who also has a mistress. Those are the four people you need to know. Half brother, half brother's son, half brother's wife, half brother's mistress. And each of them is equally complex in their own ways. Yeah. And they all find out that none of them have gotten anything. It's all been bequeathed to, his actual son, Jack, and that's that's fine. I mean, like, it's all going to work out, right? Yeah, well, Jack thinks he's Jesus Christ. <laughs> when he shows up, you're just like, <laughs> look who came to play. This movie is very long. I will give, I will say it's that. It's two and a half hours long. But the, how long it, the wind up before Peter O'Toole shows up is very good. It's like because 15 minutes. You get the will reading. It's 20 minutes. I like looked at it. When oh, I did you? It. Okay. It, you get to the will reading. You get this perfect joke of like $30,000 going to the butler because of like years of service. No reaction. Everyone's just kind of shocked. He reads another line. And then the butler stands up and goes, yippee, 30,000 smackers. Like it just hit him. <laughs> like To me, that's like. Just peak British comedy is here, like getting thirty thousand dollars, not reacting because you're like trying to be polite, and then at the end of the will reading, being like yippee, thirty thousand smackers. That is, it's so funny. But the bulk of the estate is going to Jack, and mm-hmm. boy. who is a paranoid schizophrenic who believes he is Jesus Christ. And man, do they just do they just nail? Does Peter like Peter? This I, I'll say it. I think this is my favorite Peter O'Toole performance, and there are like four Peter O'Toole performances, like that I could easily name right off the top of my head that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, before we get into it, we can talk about just Peter O'Toole as you know, he is the Lawrence and Lawrence of Arabia. And I mean, let's be honest, guys. If you've seen that movie, you get why that's important because that movie's him. What are some other performances? At? Let's go um, through. I mean, it's, he's I mean, Peter O'Toole. I mean, Everybody I mean, have knows you ever him. Seen, but... Have you ever seen My Favorite Year? I've heard of it. He plays Alan Swan, and Alan Swan was like a great swashbuckler back in the day. Think like an Errol Flynn, but you know, not without all the bat, without all the bad, without stuff. all the Errol Flynning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Without all the Errol Flynning, Peter O'Toole like is going to do a show because like he's like kind of down and out, like tax problems, things like that. Like he's still like the name, but like. He's like, he's had to call in a favor. He's doing a television show and it's like a variety show. Mm -hmm. And you know what it is? It's Rick Dalton. It's that concept that uh, Al Pacino gives him. 
Okay. Where he says, yeah, like, yeah. oh, you're playing the heavy. Oh, they do that. That's the worst trick in the book. That one? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of what's going on with Peter O'Jewel. He's a fantastic drunk, though. Mm-hmm. Like, and the thing is, like, they put this kid with him to be, like, his handler for the week from the studio. It's all told from his perspective from the kid. So it's it's essentially Peter O'Toole's the fall guy, and this kid has to be the straight man. Got it. Okay. But Peter O'Toole is, like, fucking hilarious in it. I mean, he's a very funny man. He has impeccable timing, especially in this He was movie. nominated for an Oscar for that as well. Yeah. Uh, By the way, guys, yeah, Peter O'Toole's up for an Oscar for this movie. He also This movie also is up for the Palm Door. And also, a, I think he's up for a Golden Globe. It's up for a Golden Globe for best... This was the weirdest uh, credit I read. Best foreign language movie in English language. What? <laughs> yeah, that was once a category. It's like, well, no, that makes no sense. So it's just, what, British and Canadian films? Yeah. It's been 4238 for too long. We're going to make it 4239. It's just because they've done it every year up till that point. <laughs> so this movie uh, is based on a play. It is. You can kind of tell. Because, like, it's essentially around, like, five main characters. And then you have a bunch of other people who kind of, like, run in and run out. But it... I think it just... There's so much energy. And it weaves into different themes. Because this movie is also sort of a musical. (laughs) I remember watching it, and then, like, 40 minutes into the movie, he starts singing, and everybody else starts singing... And I'm just like, all right, that's just another thing this movie's doing, I guess. Because like, whenever it adds something, you're just like, okay, yeah, sure. Yep, yep. Yeah. It just keeps doing it. Favorite comedic scene? I think when he shows up the first time. It's, it's, it's really good. He's just in that robe. He's in the robe. Hair. He has like just fucking a series of just very funny one-liners. I, they ask him about organized religion, and he's like, well, I don't go to things that don't help anybody. Like, <laughs> like just really just, like, biting commentary. There's one joke I still think, I, I'm think I'm going to think about forever, which is... Oh, it's fantastic. He shoots someone later on when he turns into someone else. He, like, shoots someone, and then they go, uh, oh, poacher, and then they run him off the, like, land. Because, like, he goes, like, ah, oh, he shot me! He shot me in the leg! And then they're like, ah, oh, poacher! And, like, they clearly care more about, like, kicking this fucking poor bastard off their land than they do the fact that he just shot someone for no reason. It's a real from the movie Mulholland Drive. Oh, something came up and bit me! Yeah, it's... There's just so many moments where you're just, like... it Where it starts out as, like as what could have very easily been like a like a drama scene and just turns it into just just wacky not wacky but just like just like kind of goofy like it it never quite lands in the wackier goofy territory where it could easily have gone with a man pretending to be Jesus Christ it kind of always keeps its earnestness in what it's trying to say for sure i can see Um, what you're talking about and it it does it does you know walk that tightrope oh Um, very well like like okay so now my next question to you is favorite dramatic scene 
it's right after he shoots the guy and everyone runs off and he starts like yelling at himself essentially like that he can't oh like, he's, like he's up in the attic it's before he goes up in the attic it's mm-hmm. when he he like is like talking to himself in the field where he's like lying down and he's like you know like oh I'm, sure. I'm this person now and then he then he goes up in the attic and he's like i'm this person uh favorite terrifying moment the stabbing at the end not at the end. Well, I mean at the end, but also the 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 anytime first he stabs someone is what where you're he thinks he's in the he thinks he's in Whitechapel and abs as uh, a Claire, Lady Claire. Yeah, yeah, it's very odd. It's a, it's just a wonderful movie. It's so it's bizarre. So... Who is your favorite supporting performance? Oh, you uh, know what? God, we almost Dean Stockwell. This guy, the Doctor, as well is fantastic. Yeah, the Doctor, Doctor Herder, played by Michael Bryant. I like him a lot. I think my favorite like my favorite per, like one like if i had a job down on one guy who i think is just like straight heat all the way uh, it's james michael uh villers who plays dinsdale the like the, the son there's something about whatever wavelength he's on that is just fucking so funny so the guy who eventually just kind of becomes like Peter O'Toole's number two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he is. He, I've been caught in the brambles. <laughs> There's that scene. There's just like so many scenes where he's just like, "Why, father? I've no, I've I've hardly, you know, like, yeah, this isn't above board. This is this is unfeasible. Like he's just so British. Yeah, he really is. They were like, be kind of dumb and British at the same time, and he's like, got it. <laughs> You're like a 60-watt bulb, but you're also 175% British. Oh, my God. You know who he kind of... You don't watch Succession, do you? I do not. But I I could see him being, like, the fail son type. Yeah, like, kind of. But, like... Oh, so interesting. So, he thinks he's Jesus Christ, and at one point they kind of talk him out of it. And because we talk about all of the movie on this show, he then assumes a new identity. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that identity he, he his real name is jack his name is jack gurney and he goes i am jack i'm jack jack the ripper yeah and you're just when he says it to you you're like i'm sorry what like, like yeah you we're almost yeah like you were passing by someone in the store be like excuse me what was that <laughs> the thing is is like he does a beautiful monologue that like only peter o'toole could deliver and it's like it's it's biting and it's beautifully done, and then it's like, and I am, and I am Jack the Ripper, and you're just like, oh, oh, okay, this is where this is going. I mean, I'll put it to you this way, dude. This is his fifth nomination for leading actor. Yeah. Like we could do a Mount Rushmore of all of his just because every role he's ever been nominated for for an Oscar is leading actor. Yeah. Like it's insane that that dude never won an Oscar. It's well, I mean, you look at who won, and I'm like, I can't really argue with who won. <laughs> like any of them. Like I look at all of them, and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of the right choice, <laughs> except for maybe one. But like for most of them, I'm like, yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's a pretty. That's probably who I would have voted for too out of those five. Yeah, it's insane. Like, dude. You would think Lawrence of Arabia. Just anoint him and get it done with. You would think that Gregory Peck is in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. He gives a fucking phenomenal performance in that. What about him as Beckett? I don't Hold know. On, I've never me, seen that movie. Yeah, I think Beckett is a adaptation of an Upton Sinclair novel. Not Upton Sinclair. Uh, Sinclair. Not Sinclair Lewis. 
Am I thinking the right thing? No, I'm not. He I was kind of his Daniel. He was kind of his times Daniel Day Lewis, wasn't he? He sort of. Rex Harrison winning for My Fair Lady is fine, I guess. There's better, better people in that. I, Peter Sellers and Doctor Strange. Well, that's who I would have voted for. Yeah, right. I mean, that dude's amazing in that movie. He was up for Lion in Winter, the John Huston film. I think is that John Huston. No, it's not. Never mind, not John Huston. So it is directed by Anthony Harvey, but loses to Cliff Robinson for Charlie, I guess. That's, yeah, that's probably what I'd give it to. And then he's up again for Goodbye Mr. Chips and loses to John Wayne. So that's that's his four nominations before this movie. And who does he go up against and lose for the ruling class? Marlon Brando, who decided he didn't want the Oscar. Peter O'Toole's just sitting there going, I flew from bloody London. I don't know why it's Michael Caine. But That's like, actually Michael Caine, because Michael Caine yeah. was also nominated. <laughs> I flew from bloody London and had to sit next to Peter O'Toole, whose legs are so bloody long, he needed two seats. And they don't even show up. And Peter O'Toole's like, I am so high right now. I am so high. I hope no one can tell. I'm on TV. My mother's probably going to see this. This is, it's nominated for the Palm Door too. Yeah, in a in a in a in a fucking wet and wild year for the Palm Door. I don't know why. Want to tell us wild. what it's up against? So the winner, the, the there's a co-winner. Um, it's one of the I think like two times that's ever happened. The co-winner for the Palm Door, where the was the working class that go, uh, were the working class goes to heaven by Ilo Pitri. And the Matai Affair by Francisco Rossi. Uh, who um, could ever forget those movies? I I'm going to watch both of them, you motherfucker. Oh, fine. Make it a double feature <laughs> one week. I'm going to. Great. Enrich my life. Other movies in the uh, up for nomination for best feature film at the Cannes Film Festival were The Seduction of Mimi by uh, Linda Vudmar, Silence, the original Japanese Silence by Masahiro Shinoda, uh, Slaughterhouse-Five by George Roy Hill, Solaris by Andre Tarkovsky, The Visitors by Liza Kazan, We Won't Grow Old Together by Maurice Palat, Red Psalm by Milkos Janskos, the uh, famous uh, Czech filmmaker, or Hungarian filmmaker, I should say. Robert Altman had Images play uh, at, at that one, and I think Jeremiah Johnson by Sidney Pollock plays. Jeremiah Johnson, I think, is famous because it's the one where Robert Redford does the shaking uh, his head up and down with the big it beard is. that everybody it uses. I mean, it's also a good movie. Well, I mean, it's most famous for that gif. I mean, at this time, yes. I mean, yeah. That's I'm not saying Sydney, it should be. I'm just Sydney saying Lumet that's what movie. people would know. That's a Sidney Lumet movie. Not Sidney Lumet, it's Sidney Pollock. That's a Sidney Pollock movie, and you show some respect. You show some respect to the men who won an Oscar for Out of Africa. Yeah, I know. Look, if I get the Oscar one next time again, it's going to be Out of Africa. It's fuck. All right. <laughs> you just start counting head the weeks. You're like, which one was that again? I mean, uh, I pick good Oscar winners that yeah. are older than 25 years old. Nah. Out of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta see it. That and Last Emperor. It's a pretty solid con. Uh, Frenzy also played the Alfred Hitchcock film. Loose and the Devil by Maria Bava. Roma. Right. Some others. So you're saying <laughs> this was deservedly up there? 
it was deservedly up there. I I don't know. I I might have voted for it to win over some of the others, but I don't know, man. Solaris, Solaris, pretty good. Yeah, you're a big fan of Solaris, aren't you? Yeah, Solaris, pretty good. I'll say this: dopest Criterion cover I've seen. It's uh, like him with the hat on, right? That's a that's a good. Yeah, I think I saw this uh, up for sale and I didn't buy it because I didn't know what it was. Can we agree on the original poster? The line, the line that like just perfectly, I think, sums up the movie is the conversation between him and that woman. And she goes, how do you know you're God? And he goes, simple. When I pray to him, I find I'm talking to myself. That's the line. Yeah. His. I, there is one thing I do want to talk about. And I yeah. think the movie takes a lot of pain and pleasure to like show that he is a very good person when he believes he's Jesus Christ. Like he helps all of the other um, patients at the mental hospital. Like that's true. Like they sing hymns and he's very open hearted and very nice. And his wife loves him and falls in love with him, even though she is. And this is, uh, uh, you know, she is like a sort of prearranged in order to kind of make it so that he will have an heir so that they can oust him and get all the money. I think that's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. It's not a foolproof plan. I think it's actually kind of dumb. But don't oh, think he undoes think... them so quickly. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to think that brother is very smart. But his turn when he becomes like quote unquote cured into just this raving lunatic who is like pro <laughs> corporal and capital punishment. And is like essentially like pro like hoarding all the wealth. You're like, oh, okay, I I see what you're doing. I get it. Yeah, I think this movie at the time probably didn't play well because you're coming out of like the the end of like swinging London sixties and like you know like movies that are almost entirely about the working class and like this like real focus of the about the working class in English media and plays and then this movie is just like let's just make fun of the lords and how silly they are like just how silly a concept this is and how aggressively right wing they are so true well done though it's very good and his like that like final speech where he's in the the common like the lord's room and he's giving like essentially a unhinged like we should go back to the 1800s speech and is like seeing them for what they are which is like rotting corpses with ornate robes on is oh yeah it's like both it's it's terrifying and beautiful at the same time 100 percent agree like the ending is so haunting and you're just like what the fuck yeah, it 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 ends on such a bleak note. Like it's so it's this movie. I just it doesn't. I how does this exist? <laughs> Sometimes of, they would just let people make movies. Like by the I way, guess. who's the who's the director? The director is a guy named Peter Middek, and he's a Hungarian-born English British American director. His only other movie that I know is is uh, the Changeling. Oh, I've heard of the Changeling. Good. Oh, he did Species Two. Which I think is better than the first one. Species was pretty good. I mean, I mean, I heard that he was really pleased with how much work they got done and how fast. I'm just joking. That's a George Roy Hill joke. Kind of makes a lot of sense. It does. Romeo's Bleeding, which is not very good. Yeah, this is a wild movie. This is a wild movie, especially from a guy who's who's who'd only done a movie called Negatives, which is like a kind of like an erotic drama. 
to go into like this movie that has so many tonal shifts and to pull it off successfully and then to have the movie have the recognition of like getting into the Criterion Collection and being part of their quote-unquote canon even though Criterion Collection isn't really a canon of films because it's some a, of the movies a, they have in there it's a preservation of films it is a preservation of films but some of the movies they have in there you're like okay really <laughs> by some real snot-nosed punks at times <laughs> you're gonna be putting in a master builder in the Criterion Collection I know why you did it I just I'm really for it to be as forgotten and to like kind of be like, wow, they're like no one has really logged this that I know on Letterboxd, which doesn't make sense to me because this movie, it's so good. It's 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 so vibrant and full and it's two and a half hours and it really doesn't feel like it. It I, made me feel like you were just like, oh, here's this like rare seaside to like the Rolling Stones, and it's like secretly one of their best songs, and you're just oh, like yeah. You're just like, oh, that's like the good shit. Like, where did you find this? Yeah, exactly. This is like, this is the first time you hear like probably anything off the White Album. Yeah, yeah. yeah like you just like, you hear that one song and you're like, oh, where was this? Not like, and it still works as like a pop song because they all do. But you're just like, oh man, where was this shit? Like, yeah. Actually, and, you know what it is? It's Sergeant Pepper's. Actually, this is almost like buried a little bit deeper. You're, you're right. I think you're right. I, I kind of just want to do what you did, which is to go like 10 years without ever like having seen it again and just being like and like popping it on like half remembered and being like, oh, fuck, this movie's like, yeah, this movie's yeah. great. Because I remembered parts of it. I forgot he becomes Jack the Ripper. I just don't think I had that context at the time. But this movie fucking rules. Yeah, this movie is like this is the type of movie where I'm just like, I kind of wish I could just never I could not know what this movie's about and just re experience the whole thing again. Since the, since this is a movie that we hope Tyler will like, since you're the customer kind of this week, do you have anything you want to pick out for your second movie? Because even employees have to rent two movies. If I had to pick this, if I had to pair this with something, I think yes. I would pair it with Derek Yarman's or Jarman's, I, I forget how to say his name, his 1977, 78 film, Jubilee. Okay, what is this? It is a movie in which the, I think it's Mary, Queen of Scots, the Queen Mary, or Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth in the 1600s gets people together and projects, like, I want to see 300 years into the future. I want to see what my England will look like 300 and however many years in the future. And it takes her to bombed out London and just fucking dregs of society into the punk scene, into like all these like kind of like homeless squatters, right? It's like like the buildings are still like toppled over from the Blitz era. And it's just this very like kind of bleak uh, picture that is like essentially a, a satirical take on London at the time, like four or five years after this movie was made, but more of like kind of taking down the punk scene and taking down just just the British, like, the, the rise of the right wing that was starting to take over at the time. It's very good. I, I, I don't know if, if you've ever seen Jubilee. It doesn't really seem like a Benjamin no, movie. No, I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of this movie. And that sounds great and all, but as you know, the other rule at our store is if it's something you're getting, even as an employee, the other person must pick it out for you because that's that's we that's just the rule we stick to. So I'm sorry, true. we're not getting Jubilee because I, I can't, as you know, the fourth rule, I can't confirm whether it's good or not. So I cannot recommend it as well as an employee of the video store. So we're going to put that for this store. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been making them up recently. So I'm sorry, but you're going to be taking home American Psycho. Uh, okay. In class. Yeah which yeah, is yeah. Uh, my suggestion for you. That's, yeah, that makes sense. 
<laughs> I spent a lot of time like, what am I going to pair this with? And I was like, oh yeah, that movie like I've and like maybe a couple other people have heard about Jubilee. I'm going to look I up. Mean, Ju- it's in the Criterion Collection, so people have heard of it. Is but it on maybe, the channel? I believe so. Oh, interesting. Maybe I will watch this this week. It's, it's Get back it's, into watching movies. I didn't watch shit last week. <laughs> it's bloody weird. I watched a lot of stuff. I just didn't log them. Fair enough. What would you give this? I give it four and a half. It's probably going to be five, but like, I just, if I just, I, I want it. It's so good. I give this like four and a quarter. Yeah. That, 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 uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think I liked it more than you did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. I trust <laughs> me. Like, like, there are parts that are like, you could cut half an hour out of this. <laughs> I, I do think it could be, a, I do think it could be a little bit shorter, but that's probably why it gets four and a half and not five. But, because uh, you're like, man, just fucking go for it. But it's just, they just went, they just took a fucking swing, dude. They, yeah. they hit it, maybe not entirely over the fence, but like half the ball got over the fence. Who did you say he lost out to here? Uh, Marlon Brando. And who else was nominated? Kane and Olivier for Sleuth. Oh, really? Um, oh, that's that year. And Paul Winsfield uh, gets nominated for uh, Sounder. I don't know any of those. I haven't seen Sleuth and Brando wins and then it's him. Boy, he's the real outlier there, isn't he? Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm not to jest. Oh, I went to the wrong one. To jest too much. Yeah. But he does feel like he, I mean, I haven't seen Sounder, but it does seem like he's the most awake. Because, like, I've seen parts of Godfather and Marlon Brando. He's very good in his role but he he could also be asleep you don't know he you i told you that that crosshair was on you right <laughs> don't don't bring it don't bring it back don't 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 bring it back on you because next time you pull some crap or i have like a pretty much a free pass you're gonna watch godfather one and two it's gonna happen good luck you think you say that but you'll slip up again like this oh uh, like, i've suddenly come down with four broken legs that makes no sense, unless you consider your arm, your upper legs, which I do. There's some uh, interesting movies uh, at this Oscar. Ugh. I think Ruling Class, because there's no like best foreign for like English films. No, it doesn't get best screenplay based on material from another medium, which it should have got. Yeah, that's really its only nomination. Is interesting. I disagree. It should have been up for. It should have been up for the best screenplay at the very least. Yeah, best at the very least. I think. Yeah, at the um, very least. I mean, I do understand. Like four out of the five best picture nominees are in best screenplay. Oh, for sure. So like, but uh, I don't know. I think it. I think it deserved a shot in there. I don't. I don't know what Pete and Tilly is, but. Come on. Fat City yeah. make an appearance. Yeah. Is there well, any other movies we did from this year? Let's move on to the next one. The movie that brightened a generation. Career-defining return in William Friedkin ensures a career for several decades to come. Two incredible performances by Blair and Miller are terrifying as well as entrancing all in the same scene. One of the truly great horror films of all time. This is The Exorcist. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You'd like that? Intensely. But wouldn't that drive you out of Reagan? It would bring us together. 
You and Reagan. You and us. Did you do that? Uh, do it again. In time. No, now. In time. Mirabili dictu, don't you agree? You speak Latin. Ego te absolvo. Quad nomen mihi est. Bonjour. Quad nomen mihi est. La plume de ma tante. How long are you planning to stay in Reagan? Until she rots and lies stinking in the earth. What's that? Holy water. You keep it away. Watch this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to come back in with this, and Tyler's not going to react well. It's going to be great, and we'll bleep this. Do you know what she did, your daughter? Listen, your daughter is a very funny thing for a little girl to say. I will say I laughed very very loud Do you know what she did? It's maybe the most upsetting moment in the movie. Oh, you found that upsetting? I found it funny. Oh no no it's it's upsetting it's it's upsetting in some ways but oh. it's upsetting in that way where like now like like think about if you saw that back then people would have been fucking terrified. I think I still would have laughed. I don't think no no you have to look at it from that perspective of you then like I I I Ben I'm telling you I think I would have laughed. I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, a very funny thing to say. But it's it's great. How do I mean? Well, how do we talk about this? Everyone has seen The Exorcist. Look. I, well, not everyone. Well, up till well, no, no. We just checked off the last person. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, it's the Exorcist. I mean, I, I think I'm gonna be real. I'm just gonna say it up front. I think the movie like, expectation about this being the Exorcist and people being like, oh, it's like one of the greatest movies of all time, hurt me right. watching this for the first time because I'm like, oh, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of boring though. <laughs> oh, dude, no, no, no. It's a '70s movie, but it's a horror movie. Then you know me. I love seventies horror. I know you do. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's a seventies movie that is a horror movie as well. Like I'm not saying a seventies horror movie. I'm saying like think about the scene where like the guy is talking to the police officer as he's like coming from running, and he's like, <laughs> "You look like a boxer." Like like it's all that seventies shit, but it just happens to have this weird fucking possession in it. I like that stuff. And I like 70s movies. And I especially like 70s horror movies. I just, it's just like, I couldn't, I just, I don't know. I was like, oh, this movie's like one of the scariest movies. Because my mom constantly talked about how, like, this is the movie that, like, still scares her. Like, she still thinks about this movie. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for, like, the scariest movie ever made. And 
I don't think that that's a good way to describe The Exorcist. I would describe The Exorcist as a drama that has a couple of scary moments in it. Oh, dude. Come on. I don't you... think this is a horror movie, Ben. I'm not saying it's a horror movie. I don't think it is either. You just but... said it's a 70s movie with the horror in it. That has horror in it. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm saying to you, I think there is a very, like, definitive... It's a drama. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, like think about... Like, I mean, let's be honest. Funniest scene in the movie is where, like, she's describing everything to that doctor, and the doctor goes, let's start thinking about getting her a therapist. <laughs> And it's like, oh, right, because we're in the 70s. Yeah. There's moments I think are really good. I think Ellen Burstyn's good. I think Linda Hamilton's very good. I think Jason Miller's very good. Like, I don't think it's, I'm not going to say it's bad. I just don't think it's like a horror movie. William Freakin himself is like, it's not a horror movie. No, I don't think it's a horror movie either. I'm not saying it is. Yeah, I'm just saying people have like, like built this up. as like, oh, it's like one of the scariest movies of all time. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I could think of like 20 movies scarier than this off the top of my head. But it's not that it... People, you have to look at it from the time period. Dude, people had never seen anything like that before. I, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I it, guess. It, it, dude, that's why I said at the beginning, it frightened a generation. It did, but I also think that that generation... Look, dude, I'm not, I'm not saying you're not right or whatever you're trying to get out here. I'm just telling you, like, there, this was the heavyweight contender for the scariest movie for a long time. And yeah, there are scarier movies now, absolutely. I mean, fighting I think with they're... my family is terrifying. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very scary. Yeah. What I think are interesting aspects to the film is William Freakin has a background in uh, documentary filmmaking, and you see that I think at moments you see like like um, a lot of like naturalistic and like trying to make it feel like real life and like trying like those like long still shots where like nothing really happens. Those are interesting. I think those. I think. The, the, I could see it like people being scared of that back then. Like it makes sense. But my problem is like the movie for me, and I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just saying for me has been built up as like this crucible, this like mythic, like scariest movie ever made. Like, and it has moments of like tension and like, okay, yeah, I could see where people would be like really scared of that in the seventies, but like, I don't see it now. Like, I don't, I, it's just like, I'm just like, no, it's like a drama that has like some horror in it. I don't think it's a horror movie. Like I, maybe I'm just like rambling in circles and people are going to fucking find my address and yell at me in person. But I think it's a very good movie that I think expectations were built up a little bit too much. I mean, I don't disagree that your expectations were built up too much. They always were going to be. This is that movie. This is that movie that your parents, like, wouldn't let you watch. Like, that's what this was. Like, uh, not true. My parents no, no, no. watch this. Not, not you. I... I'm talking about, I'm talking about our, I'm talking about our, like, I'm talking about our parents' parents. Like, thing, I, I, like that sort of true. thing. Yeah. Uh, like, my... our parents, yeah. Our parents, whatever. Like, once my mom let me rent Mortal Kombat, it was over. I could rent anything I wanted. Mortal Kombat. 130 episodes gonna be so funny now. So let's talk about this. What do you what did you think of the opening actually? That was kind of the one thing I was really curious to hear what you said. How like it just hard cuts to Iraq. 
Yeah. And then I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, I had already heard about it. Like, the other yeah. thing is, I think I know everything that there is to know about this movie going in, just because like everyone has like talked this movie to death, because it's like, like this Jaws, Star Wars. Those are the three seventies movies that were made in the seventies, apparently. And like knew everything about it. I had already seen it because my parents rented the DVD for me way back when I was like nine or 10, whenever the DVD came out and I fell asleep less than 15 minutes into the movie because the first 45 minutes of this movie are so fucking slow. I'll be honest with you. It's funny. You say that I did a Ben Rector's cut last night where I worked on our podcast during the first 45 minutes. And I got to tell you, if you just hard cut to her walking around the office, just going "Ah," like doing that, you're like, Oh, okay, perfect. We're here. We have arrived. Yeah. (laughs) Once Damien drops his mother and she's dead. Oh man. So much better. I'm going to be real. I don't think you need that stuff. You do for the second part. You have, you have to have something. You have to have something test father Karis. I guess, I guess having like Lancaster Marin, (laughs) show up and be like walking around that he's like the old gunslinger and then this is his last ride like he's fucking in true grit it really kind of is like his last ride but it's also more so like he goes like well there's one man who takes down people who are possessed and that's me i put my boots on one at a time like the rest of you but when it comes to that i'm the only guy for the job here we go sorry i imagine i switch side up like going into a snake pit to get a girl out. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like the it's just Max was saying, "Ooh ah, ooh!" Like it's like the snake bite him. <laughs> I just see him doing it, man. And the girl in question is Reagan. Yeah, don't love you love Blair. Reagan? She's good. Linda Blair is very good. I love Linda, Linda Blair. Dude, everyone in this movie is pretty damn solid. I didn't even mention um, your girls in this. Yeah, my girl Ellen Burstyn, a number Ellen. one. You love Ellen Burstyn. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And this is, of course, directed by William Friedkin, um, who I think we're also a very pro-William Friedkin podcast. I mean, I feel like you're significantly more pro than I am. Really? Like, lightly pro. You picked Cruising. Cruising's good. This is good. Sorcerer's good. French look, Connection's good. Look, look. I I'm saw Cruising. I'm Jade this week. I saw... You're watching... Just fucking let me know how that goes, because that I movie... Will. That's a Joe Esserhaus movie, buddy. By the way, can we agree Lee J. Cobb is the funniest part of this movie in some ways, but like not uh, like intentionally? I think the funniest part of this movie is uh, the director, Burke. Oh, yeah, the guy who gets thrown out the window. He gets, he gets, he gets deheaded. I think he's the funniest part of this because he looks to like the British guy who lives next door, or like the butler or whatever the fuck, and is like, not like just calls him a Nazi. <laughs> That is great. How are you working for the Gestapo? <laughs> just like loudly, just like, you're a Nazi. <laughs> I was in Sweden. <laughs> I just think that's funny. And then I realized like, oh, he's like Irish and is a drunk and it's, you know, it's a little less funny. But I, I don't know. I think the movie definitely has moments of just fun wit and like, I think Chris, who's played by Ellen Burson, is a really good mother who is also spends a lot of time acting. So Reagan has been is like grown up a little more like a little bit more grown up. I feel like in a worse film, the movie would 
try and make it so it seems like Reagan is maybe acting and maybe isn't actually possessed. And I think I do like that the movie is like, no, 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 no. It's not really about whether or not she is possessed. It's about whether or not Father Karras can can like like find his faith. And while that sucks that they kind of sideline like a mother and her daughter for they, some they dude. don't. I don't think they do. I think it's pretty no, evenly no, split. I, like, I like the first act of it. No, no, because I think you have to do it the way they do. Because the first act of it is the real question of, is she faking it? And then you get to a point where it's like, well, no. Like, she could not open that drawer the way she was tied to that bed. I mean, the movie, I think, pretty plainly is like, no. Like, pretty early on, I would say, at like... What do you mean? I would say like, like, like says she's possessed. Like Fifteen minute mark. Yeah, when she like when Burson like walks into the room and she like shuts the door and like slams all the oh, shit. Oh yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. I'm like saying, very like, clearly like she's possessed pretty the early. The second act of the movie is trying to figure out how to stop this, and you've had Karis in the background for the first half of the movie, and he kind of comes to the foreground. That's the thing. That moment where the where she says, "Do you know what she did, <laughs> your canting daughter?" is the fucking like bam halfway point it's like okay this is fucking real now her head just spun all the way fucking around yeah like it's on now like someone has to stop this and the like it's not seven samurai it's two priests like fucking karis and father Marin show up and it's like okay we gotta fucking handle this dude i got so fucking scared last night because i was watching this in the dark I forgot how loud that howl is when uh, Marin comes in the house for the first time. It's good. Uh, it's it did it did. I was like, ah, it, it less spooked me and more. I was just like, fucking guess I got to turn my goddamn TV down for my neighbors and my dogs going insane. <laughs> Not one of terror and more of annoyance. <laughs> I maybe seeing this movie in a theater where there's other people. Dude, I saw it. Boy, oh, it works. Boy, I want to be in a movie theater with other people. Imagine watching this on a big screen. Let's talk about the ending of it. <laughs> Can we talk about one other thing? Yeah. There's a moment, I think, that at the time was very subtle. Um, and it's like Ellen Burson's like walking through the house. The lights go off. And then when the lights come back on, you see like the a like, face. face. Um, my bet is in the 70s, like that would have fucking people would have lost their minds. Like, oh, I, crazy. That's, that's scary as shit. Like, I, I laughed. <laughs> I, like I know you did. Well, yeah, because it's like it's not for you. It's like kind of goofy. <laughs> like, what's the like, scariest movie you've seen recently? Recently? Yeah, like in the last five years. Uh, oh. Lake Mungo got me pretty good. Like Lake Mungo made it so like I couldn't like sleep at night. I'm interested to watch Lake Mungo now. Maybe I should do that before. I th- Lake Mungo Martyrs is another movie where I, that I want to fucking less... watch that movie. Oh. less like horror and more just like that just emotionally just fucked me up for a while. Oh, God, um, watch that movie. Um, yeah, Lake Mungo Mulholland Drive always kind of gets me in a funk for a little bit. Yeah, I don't, that one's less and less every time for me. Uh, All right, Lake Mungo and Martyrs. Maybe I should watch this before. Maybe be in a good place mentally before you watch Martyrs. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's all I'm saying. So let's talk about the Oscars for this. The Oscars. 1946 Academy Awards. From Hooray 19- for Hollywood! Hooray for, back the year after the ruling class gets nominated for one film. So key nominations and films to look out for is The Sting, Cries and Whispers, 
American Graffiti is hanging around in there. A Touch of Class, The Last Detail, and The Exorcist. Uh, it doesn't say how many times The Exorcist was nominated, but it does say the... Uh, no, it does. Uh, the Exorcist and The Sting share most nominations this year uh, with 10. And, so this was uh, the runaway... Scene. Yeah. I mean, this movie was fucking huge. It was big. Adjusted for inflation, it's like one of the greatest selling uh, R-rated movies of all time. Yeah, so I guess we'll stick with the main categories. I mean, let's just say cinematography. It loses out to Cries and Whispers, which is the man who, of course, directed Sleepless in Seattle, Sven Nyquist. Yeah, he didn't direct Sleepless in Seattle. Or he was the cinematographer. I'm sorry, he was the cinematographer for Sleepless in Seattle. You're right. Uh, Yeah. Which, have you ever um, seen anything from Cries and Whispers? I think I've seen Cries and Whispers. No, it's a beautiful movie. I remember it being so. The Sting... And The Way We Were, Jonathan Livingston, and The Exorcist would all lose out to Cries and Whispers. But, I mean, shit, Exorcist is incredibly well shot. You're right. Real quick, time out. I've just noticed something. Mm-hmm. Day for Night is in Best Foreign Language. Like, it wins Best Foreign Language Film. Yeah. But I believe Truffaut gets nominated for Best Director the next year because we've done the 47th of the Academy Awards, like, eight times. Hmm. What? <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. Yeah, like there's like nominations for the actresses. Lentia Cortez gets nominated. That's fucking weird. All right, sorry. I I just no, you're fine. Uh, weird. Very weird. Let's... And then Omicord gets wins, and then they they nominate. Fellini the next year. I don't know, man. Because the next year's Jaws. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I gotta talk to a scholar about this. That's that makes no sense. Sorry, sorry. No, what part is throwing you is my question. So like the movie wins the year prior, in the forty sixth, and then the next year gets nominated for like director and like an acting categories so you're saying it was nominated in two different years it wins so day for night wins this year the year it came out 74 and then i guess maybe it didn't have a release in america that year so they put it in director and best supporting actress the next year Hmm. that's weird right it is a little strange yeah and then the same thing happens with omicord Amacord wins the next year on the 47th Academy Awards. And then Fellini beats out Spielberg for Jaws in the yeah. 48th Academy Awards. This can all get edited out. This, I just, my brain this is... Fun? No, you're fine. You're fine. At this. I mean, let's talk about its next big award. It wins Best Screenplay based on material from another medium. William Peter Blatty, based on his novel, he wrote the screenplay for the movie as well. Beats out the last detail written by Robert Town. Let's be honest, that's the dude who wrote Chinatown. Um, Last Detail is also real good <laughs> I bet it is The Paper Chase I've never heard of uh, Paper Moon is fucking amazingly well written And fucking Serpico rules Serpico Serpico Yes yes No The Paper Chase is a movie starring Timothy Bottoms Wow Look at this it's Like a real it season is, finale it, of an episode It is the real It is a season premiere you mean a lot of a lot of storylines wrapping up. <laughs> yeah, look at this. 
Tatum O'Neill and Linda Blair went at it in the Best Supporting Actress category. And Candy Clark. I, I don't know Candy Clark. This Best Supporting Actress is... Wow, that's a stacked category. I feel like I feel like Linda Blair loses because they Love use the a voice, voice thing. Double. Yeah, I think that's the story: is that it comes out after the movie premieres that Mercedes McCambridge does the voice of possessed Reagan and wasn't credited, and yeah. there's a dispute between her and Freakin. Freakin mm-hmm. says that she agreed to not be credited. Mercedes denies that. <laughs> you can kind of figure out who's in the right there on your own. Who are you agreeing with? I kind of agree with Mercedes. I bet I I wouldn't put it past Freakin to pull some shit like that. It, he seems like the type of director. He fucking shot a gun next to Jason Miller's head <laughs> to make him to make it so he acted startled. So like. Okay, he fair. seems the type yeah. of emotional manipulator guy to do something like that. He freaking he's made good movies. I'm not casting any dispersions, but can you imagine little Tatum O'Neill has to not only V trigger Linda Blair in the face, but then fight off a person in her own movie in Madeline Kahn. Yeah, I think it would have been Linda Blair had that whole scandal not happened. Yeah, I think you're right, too. It's a had pretty they just credited her from the beginning. They probably but Linda Blair probably would have won. Shit, man, you talk about Jason Miller. He was up for Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. Don't know who John Hausman is, and I don't know what the paper chase is, but that's who wins. I don't know any of those, honestly. Bang the Drum Slowly is a really good movie. How? And you said you like The Last Detail. Last Detail's good. Wow. Randy Quaid had a career at one point, huh? Hal Ashby also had a career at one point, huh? I know, I know. We, we know how you feel. Ellen Burstyn, man, she's up for Best Actress in this, and she fucking crushes, dude. We didn't talk enough about her. She's really fucking good. She's really this. good, and I think this is more ammo uh, in the gun for her winning in 47. For Alice doesn't live here anymore. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's the next year, isn't it? Yeah, it's for the, yeah, for Alice doesn't live here anymore. I think that's just like, wow, she's been nominated for like th- three of the last four years or something like that. Like... <sighs> The Last Picture Show, The Exorcist, and then Alice doesn't live here anymore. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I know who we should vote for. <laughs> and that takes us on to director and picture. And you said he's kind of a monster at times, but Friedkin knows how to make a movie. It certainly does. But that's I, a, that's, I a, that's a stacked wow. Best director, run it down. It's George Roy Hill wins for The Sting. Yep. Which, I mean, let's say what you will. The Sting is a fucking perfect movie. I mean, George Roy Hill's... I mean, Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, a few others. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I'm just... Dude, I'm just saying, The Sting is like the movie me and my buddy Banky put on, and we love to do the thing where you put your finger past your nose. Like, it's it, like it's such a watchable movie. I think uh, George Roy Hill is kind of a forgotten... He's a great... ...guy from that era. Yeah. You know, Slaughterhouse-Five, The World According to Garp, stuff like that. Like, that, he kind of became known for stuff like that. But, man, The Sting... Oh, man. Very good. He is. He doesn't have that big of a, of a filmography. The people he beats out are George Lucas for American Graffiti. Ingmar Bergman for Cries and Whispers. Not William... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you. We know. William Friedkin for The Exorcist. And Bernardo Bertolucci for The Last Tango in Paris. Uh, my phone dinged because it was a creeper alert. Uh, it went off. Creeper alert? Yeah. You know, you know the whole uh, controversy with Last Tango in Paris. I, I don't want to rehash it here. Oh, oh. But yeah, Last Tango, problematic. 
Yeah, def- definitely problematic. Well, takes us on to picture. Nominated for Best Picture, A Touch of Class, Melvin Frank. The Exorcist, William Peter Blatty. Cries and Whisper, Ingmar Bergman. American Graffiti, Francis Ford Coppola and Gary Kreutz. And your winner, The Sting, produced by Tony, Bill, Julia Phillips, and Michael Phillips. A family produced The Sting? I guess. Damn. Maybe a husband and wife team. Yeah. That's really... uh, Julia Phillips, I think, is the one that's more known because she has a picture next to her. She produced three prominent 70s films, The Sting, Taxi Driver, and Close Encounters of a Third Kind. Oh, she's fine. She has money. And she wrote a tell-all memoir, You'll Never Eat Lunch in This Town Again. Oh, I know that. I know that memoir. Huh. Is it a good memoir? I haven't read it. I've just heard about it. It's like one of the great like Hollywood tell-alls. Makes sense. Sting fucking rules. Sting fucking rules, yeah. Uh, we'd also produce like Cannery Row, The Flamingo Kid, Don't Tell Mom, Babysitter's Dead, Mom and Dad Save the World, James House, and The Last Mimsy, a movie I didn't know about until I watched a trailer for it last night on like a oh. random just 2006 commercial thing. Weird looking movie. Interesting. Yeah. What would you pair this with? What would I pair The Exorcist with? Good question. I always try not to take the easy way out, and I'm not with this one. I I would pair it with a very boring and bad The Amityville Horror from 1979. Okay. You could be like, well, this is this is a better version of that movie. <laughs> well, sadly, rule two and four are in violation again, so we're going to have to put that one back. And uh, you're going to rent The Exorcist to The Heretic, because I want to talk about that for a couple minutes. God, I almost watched that last night. It's so fucking bad, but it's so fucking good. It's John Borman, right? I believe it is a John Borman movie. Yeah, that is. And he is think, not a bore man. That's the thing. I think he goes from Point Blank, a movie we, we covered, to another movie I don't know, but to Deliverance, and then Zardoz, and then Exorcist 2. <laughs> yeah. He gets it back with Excalibur, but boy, that's a rough run. Yeah, it absolutely is. He turns Ooh. it around. He turns it around, but mm. Mm. oof. Yeah. Forest, I hear is, is okay, and then Hope and Glory is like. Yeah, I'm, I've seen Emerald Forest. It's okay. Pretty good. Yeah, it's a friend of my a friend of my dad's recommended it to me. He's like, you'll love this. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. Never spoke to him again. Hmm. There are people out there that claim that there was a a a, 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 a version of Exorcist Two. That played for like a weekend before the movie came out and has never been seen again. And I don't know if I believe it. People who talk about it on podcasts, I think you're lying. But I would love for there to be as many cuts of that as possible. Because I remember watching it. I watched that one for some reason. And it is... It's it's not good. It's batshit is what it is. It's not good. Um, it's, it's so you don't like Exorcist 2 is what you're saying. Uh, it's I, Well, I don't. I mean, I was like... 13 14 when i saw it and it's short i'll give it that yeah it is like an hour i don't know they give they give her more to do reagan actually gets to do stuff in this one yeah i feel like it's like i feel like it's one of the reasons why linda blair has like a, a pretty short and mediocre run in the uh 70s and 80s it's like a horror protagonist a horror like a scream queen that is she was meant to do something else. You know? Do you know what she does now? She rescues pitbulls. Yeah. Yeah. She rescues pitbulls. A wonderful person. 
Yeah, exactly. She's doing just fine. But yeah, if you look... She gets $25 every time that movie comes on. (laughs) Some of the movies that she's in, like Hell Night by Tom DeSimone. (sighs) Oof. I agree. Literally in 1988. Okay, La Casa 4. Yeah. I can keep going. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. What do you give this? Oh, you're gonna hate me. Like, like, like three, three and a half. No, I, no, I definitely think whatever you want. I definitely think it's a movie where, if I watch it again, it'll probably go up because it won't have the weight of expectation on it. Yeah, it won't have like everybody being like, "Oh, it's one of the greatest movies ever made." I mean, it'll have the weight of me being like, "It's fine." Yeah, that's fair. E- easy father paranoia. <laughs> um, I mean, it's five. Like it always has been, it always will be. This is this is a classic movie. Like this is like this is a movie that you set you finish up for me at least. And I look and I go, they don't make movies like that anymore. They don't. Like I don't know. This movie is like this movie does not like compromise. Like this movie does everything I want it to do. And like it's also like it's just a classic story of good versus evil, but like in just like the most like like kind of twisted way possible. Is there anything that that made you uncomfortable? I was going to ask you that. I'm not. I've never been religious, so no. Oh, no, I just meant, like, anything she does. Because there's, like, some gross stuff. No, because I was like... <laughs> it, I was like, oh, it's... I could see why that would be disturbing. But to me, I was just like, oh, it's kind of funny. What did like, you think of the crawl down the stairs? With, I thought that looked goofy. It did. Yeah. Because it's not Linda Blair, clearly. It's, it's not some contortionist doing it. Yeah. Her stabbing herself is pretty disturbing. But that's yeah. just... It's like... I think the line, keep away, the sow is mine, is also pretty upsetting. That's, the sow is mine. Your <laughs> daughter is very funny, and your mother sucks dicks in hell. Also very yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, your mother sucks cocks in hell. You, uh, you spineless. You, um, I believe he, she does say shove it up her ass. You, and then uses uh, the worm that rides with agate to Father Marin. The other one that I love, and I think it's the clip we're gonna come in on, is is where she goes. What an excellent day for an exorcism. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You would like that? It would bring us together. You and Reagan. <laughs> you and us. It makes sense. I realized I fucked up my pairing. What's that? I had it from like the moment go that I would pair this with a movie I really love. Yeah. Um, by by Blatty, by the guy who wrote it. It's an unofficial oh, sequel to The Exorcist, right. and it's called The Ninth Configuration. And I totally spaced on it. Oh well, there it is. You still got it. I'm in glad there. I remember. Sadly, it you're gonna we... have to take The Exorcist to The Heretic, the right I... sequel. That's fine. That's fine. I just want people listening to know. Ninth Configuration. It's a very good movie. Well, you know, in October, you're controlling what we watch for the first, like, two weeks. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, so if you want to, for some reason, throw the Ninth Configuration in there. I mean, no. But, you know, maybe. Uh, Well, takes us out of it, and checked you out and you still have to finish your shift though so you bing. can't take those movies home yet <laughs> <laughs> you just hear bing bing as you walk back in you're like I hate this place <laughs> just putting them putting them in my car <laughs> yeah what do you call it though but next week ugh, i don't know parents are sending their kids back to school i guess i mean when they uh, hear this they won't but like you've been back in school for a while they're sending them back home now but uh... yeah probably they're back in school again not to make a joke off of this thing but you know it's funny yeah well it won't Back be. in school and ain't it grand? Let the good times roll. Oh no, they're back home again. <laughs> yep. 
Learn uh, in so, on Zoom. <laughs> so two back to school movies. Wait, you picked <laughs> both back to school movies. Why are I you did. bitching about westerns? Because uh, I thought it would be funny. <laughs> God damn it! Um, you can pick whatever you want. I don't give a shit. I plan on. Every time I complain, it's mostly just because I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. Except yeah, no, for when, I, I, when you didn't send 39 back now. I was like, I thought we were doing a thing. I thought we had a bit going. Oh, we did. That's to make you wait. Um, um, fucking African flying movie with Gregory it's not, Peck. It's Southern, it's South America. Motorboat and those two chicks. God, that's the movie I'd love to see. Just uh, call it Motorboat Plane. Where well, you just... Ben. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I was a disappointment a little bit. My picks were a disappointment on 69. So to pay no, it back. Your, points, your, point, your picks were perfectly fine. So they were it, great. That episode is going out great. It's, I, I bet. But for, for this one, I decided to pick one movie I've never seen. I only know its reputation. And another movie I have seen and cannot begin to, to warn you about how weird it is. The first movie we're seeing is a Bob Clark joint. Great director. Great horror movie director. It's Porky's. Oh, my God. Because uh, I hate myself. And I, I thought love Bob fun. Clark. I thought it'd be fun to do Porky's for some reason. Oh. And I paired that with the American via Israeli film, Boris Davidson's remake of his own film, Lemon Popsicle, The Last American Virgin from 1984. Oh, weird. I've heard about... Yeah, we've talked about this I've movie. talked about The Last American Version, because that movie is fucking weird. Okay. Well, <laughs> next week, Porky's and The Last American Virgin. Isn't The Last American Virgin a canon movie? Yep. Okay. Going well, back to the canon canon. Di- dial it up. Dial it up. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a weird one. Two oh, he's tuning up the band for Sweet Chin Music, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, RKO. <laughs> I was like, okay, Porky's, he's going to do something fun with that and some back-to-school movie. And I was like, oh, no, it's just the last American version. Um, Yeah, well, we get to talk about Bob Clark, a guy who I love, a guy who I believe holds the title for maybe greatest Christmas movie and greatest anti-Christmas movie of all time. Yeah, and maybe one of the best Vietnam movies. Coming home? Death Dream. Death Dream. I have talked about Death Dream. I will throw it. I'll throw it up in the on the Plex. You should watch. Yeah, it. Yeah, throw it up on the Plex. Uh, I'll watch that in Jade this week. Oh, he did. He did two Porky's movies. He did immediately turn around. Did Porky? He did Porky's two and then Christmas Story the same year. Yeah, dude. Bob Clark was a working director. Oh, Bob Clark, the man. I think he is. He's a guy who we should look at and say, "Now nah, we're not doing his filmography till way down the road." <laughs> I mean, Baby Geniuses is, uh, is he did he did he did that and Super Baby uh, Baby Geniuses too. But he so. did a Christmas Story, man. Did a Christmas Story. Did Turk One Eighty Two. He did Rhinestone. He did Black Christmas. Murder by Decree. He, yeah, there's some. There's some. There's some oh, there's Death some. Dream. I have this. You have it. You also. It's also called Dead of Night. Dead of Night. Yeah. Oh, interesting. All right. Well. Brooksville's Florida, but it's a it's a wholly Canadian project. Well, guys, you can follow us at TWGTF Pod on Twitter. You can follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic. And next week we'll be doing those back to school movies. Tyler, is there anything uh, you want to tell them or tell them to follow or anything? Uh, watch the ruling class; it's really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's on YouTube and, apparently. And for TWGTF, two white guys talking film. I've of course been your host Ben, and I'm Pazuzu. 
And remember, guys, if you come into our store and you come up to the front to check out and you see that giant cross behind us, well, that's just for people to stand on for our employees who break the rules. And Tyler, you took those videos out to your car, so you technically took your break ahead of time. So I'm going to need you to do like about uh, 40 minutes up on the cross there. Keep away. The sow is mine. Just two white guys talking film.
of my friend, I can only say this. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Because at one point I sat there and I was like, have you ever seen the movie Wrath of Khan? It's really good, first of all. For a Star Trek movie, it might be the best. But, and also, you don't need to know Star Trek to watch it. I mean, I know Star Trek pretty well. I'm pretty sure everybody knows. But, uh, but like, I mean, like, the beautiful thing is, like, you just know that, like, Kirk fucked over this guy, Khan. That's all you have to know, yeah. and it's perfect. Like, you don't need to see that episode to know it. Yeah, just like but, in um, the straight story, all you need to know is that Alan Straight's got a tractor. He's trying to see his brother. Still thought people were trying to blow him the entire way he was there. He's like, no, it's the straight story. I don't know why it's David Lynch yelling it, too. I don't have a, I don't have, because I don't think the guy who plays that character ever gets above a whisper. Richard Farnsworth? Yeah. yeah. He, he talks at, like, this level the entire time. Yeah, like, there's never a moment where he's yelling. He's like, I'm an old man, and I don't, I, I don't like to see the doctor. This doctor's just going to tell me bad news. I am Richard Farnsworth, aren't I? Oh, my God. What are your names again? My name. It doesn't matter what your names are. You walk around here interrupting the rock you like you haven't seen the sun in 20 years. Fighting with my family. It's a pretty good movie. It's fine. It's, um, it's fine. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> bag of fine. They had Florence Pugh. Why didn't they do something with this? It's fine. Tell right. the whole story. I'm just saying. It's fine, Ben. It's fine. How great would it be? Well, not this guy, because I can't. Um. Who would you say is, like, the new Darren Aronofsky? I don't think there is a new Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> it's kind of an insane concept. I guess people think fucking hereditary guy is that, but I don't know. I don't okay, so. wow, that was the one I was not going to pitch you, so there's that. Okay, what about the guy from The Lighthouse? Okay, I mean, yeah, not necessarily, but, like, his take on fighting with my, with, with my family would be... No, no, like, he does it, like, five years later. He does it with her now grown yeah. as Paige, and they do, like, the rest of it. Like, they go through, like, the trauma and stuff. I understand that, but WWE's not gonna let that happen. No, 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 they don't have to do shit. It's a public... It's a story of public record. It's a story of public record, but the character name Paige spends a lot of time in a company called World Wrestling Entertainment. We call it, we call it, we call it World Wrestling Excitement. Fuck them. Fuck them. It's parody. I, it's parody. I, I'm, I'm telling a fictitious story. All I'm top. telling you right now that it will not happen. But they will not let I'm that I'm just saying, I think, they will I think sue it's you such a mess. <laughs> they have Florence Pugh. It's such a mess. All right. That's, anyway, that's all I, want, that's all I wanted to say, WWE. Do right by her. Give her a real story. Like, give that thing an end. Because that's not it. Like, they end it with, like, it's like, and it all worked out. It's like, fucking no, it didn't. Like, just that's true. give her justice. I, I remember watching that. Give all the end. women who were harassed at that moment justice for a movie like that. I, I do be remember the fucking like... wrestler. Don't be ready to rumble. That's all I'm saying. I do remember the movie ending being like, and everything's going to be all right. It's not. And, and like, like oh, no, that's like the peak. <laughs> like, it's such a sad moment. Like, you're just sitting there. And you're like, you fucking liars. Like, do, like, I don't even need them to, like, focus on, like, like the, like, leaked photos and stuff. But, like, use that, like, to tell the story of, like, how she got no fucking support from them. Like, I mean, like, there's also that. And then there's, like, the Alberto Del Rio stuff. The and Alberto then... Del Rio stuff is perfect in itself. Shit. Like. I don't want to say this to like make money off of someone's tragedies, but like 
if especially as we especially because we'll bring her on as like an executive producer but like the Alberto de Rio stuff could be its own movie in itself. That might be and part three. And like, then there's like the comeback, and then like the like almost immediate career ending injury. Like, oh yeah, like months into her comeback, and that's like, like give her the whole story. I'm not just saying it's the like it's the it's like the sex stuff. Like I'm saying like you've got Alberto de Rio, you've got the comeback, you've got the re-injuring of the neck. It's a tragic story, and it's a beautiful story, and it deserves to be told. And they have an actress who could do this. Yeah. Put her with Paige for four weeks. That's all I'm saying. We need to talk about something. Oh, boy. I just love flying all the way to Colorado to hear about your problems. <laughs> That's what I want to suggest to all these places that are doing, like, personal showings of stuff. Yeah. Like, I want to go to them and be like, hey, like, why don't you do, like, something for, like, you know, not everybody. Like, this, not, like... If you can get these like movies like the Star Wars movies and shit like that, why not do like shit for like people like who want artsy movies? Yeah, well, I would say play, you know, play play something like uh, ah, fuck, whatever. I've just talk, I'm talk my better. brain is just mush right now. I was gonna say play the Phantom Lady, but I'm like oh, nobody knows the Phantom Lady, and then I second guessed myself, and now we're here. Yeah, what's the Phantom Lady? Phantom Lady is a noir from the 40s. Oh, so so there you go. Yeah. If they can get them for, like, next to nothing, yeah, why not? I think the problem is is that they're mostly owned by Warner Brothers, which is... Is Warner Brothers part of Disney? Do they buy no, Warner Brothers? No, that's HBO. Ah. Uh, well, I mean, HBO will rent stuff out. It's the Fox uh, library you gotta worry about. Yeah, that's all gone, Pete. Aliens. I've got all those. That's fine. Yep. Don't, don't, never see them again. All the all the original negatives are burning in a vault somewhere. <laughs> I doubt it. I'm sure they're gonna do something. So I'm not gonna put them on Disney Plus. Like, what the fuck are they gonna do? They need to release a collection for adult for adults. Like, they need to do like just Fox Films. Like, I'd pay five ninety nine a month for that app. I think just every Fox movie. I think there's more money in not doing that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't trust Disney. And I think if a Democrat won the presidency, I would hope one of their things is breaking up the monopoly that Disney currently uh, holds. Hmm, interesting. Breaking it all up. Just fucking from top to bottom. So what happens to Disney? Do they not get paid out for it? They what own is... Disney and that's it. They have to sell off the assets to any other movie studio that they own. Except Pixar, because they founded Pixar. But like everything else they got to sell off. Fox, whatever else they own, Marvel, just all of it. But they bought those things. They acquired them from them. They should not have been able to. Oh, that's what you're saying. This okay. is an antitrust. This is a monopoly that they're forming. That's fair. And we have to break it up before they have it all. Yeah, that's fair. Well, Microsoft really had the same thing. I'm, I am on my high horse. I fucking hate Disney. What about that little mouse? You know, he's like, ho, oh, oh. I, I hope that they don't they aren't allowed to renew his patent so that he becomes public domain and you can legally draw him sucking a bunch of dicks and put it on a t-shirt and sell it they don't have any say over it well you do hate disney really do so i'm not gonna ask you what the mandalorian what you think is gonna happen in season two i should, I should probably i hope baby that. yoda takes one to the face <laughs> oh my god and by one to the face you mean like a bullet right not like a dick or something no a bullet no definitely okay okay definitely all right. Keep away. The sour is mine. <laughs>